Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Neomothotep in our Kenya chapter. Uh, at the top of the show, as we like to do, we'd like to thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. If you do not have a chance to check out what we offer, you can at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. We are also on YouTube, where we deliver all sorts of wonderful videos for you, live performances, and uh, other tasty bits for you to enjoy. And now... I'm going to get to cast reductions to my right. Hi, this is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. You know, it sure seems like that, Miss O'Shea. It sure seems that like it, no matter how careful this group tries to be, it's almost like something is out there constantly stirring up the chaos. I couldn't tell you what it is, to be perfectly honest. To Miss O'Shea's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and we didn't start the fire. No. That's true, but you may pay the price for it at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle, and I, I, it's not our fault. You see, you always say that. It's though. not our fault. You always say that. Uh, to Jack's right. Uh, this is Lonnie. I'm playing Robert Drummond. And let's be honest here. This happened in London. Now it's happened here. Clearly, English fire codes aren't bad. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. I mean, maybe they need to, to look at their codes, have a nice set certified technician come out and apply some new um, fire prevention methods to uh, Mr. Drummond's right. Hi, this is James, and I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. And um, I'm beginning to feel as though I did not bring enough burn ointment for this journey. Yeah, it's quite possible that the uh, more ointment might be needed, Doctor. And last but most certainly not least. This is Alex playing Saint-Bruin, who would like to thank our Patreon supporters for allowing me to sound the impending fire alarm just in time for marshmallows. The uh, Patreon members, as many of you listeners know, uh, play an important role in many of our games. This is simply just one of them. So we'll raise the curtain tonight on the dusty roads of Nairobi while the investigators hot-footed north, trying to get away from a building that has um, seemingly become engulfed in flame. So when last you were on that road, Robert, I had mentioned to you that you were coming up on a place that you had done some shopping at. Yes, Tilton or, and Sons. Yes, you were uh, headed back in the direction of Dalton and Son Trading Post, which is sort of where you get a little bit of everything. It's a specific spot where um, people who are going to venture into the country tend to, tend to stop at. Um, but other than that, as far as the map out in front of the, in, the uh, investigators themselves, this is where the you're getting into some more of the residential spaces. You're getting out of the packed commercial spots and you're getting into more wide ranging uh, residential spaces. There are bells going off, just so you're all aware, like people are ringing pots and pans. You're hearing a loud bell from inside 
the city center um, and people are beginning to rush towards the Nairobi Star. Um, there are parks in this area, are there not? Certainly. Uh, there are actually many parks. Um, there are green spaces not far from where you're standing right now. Then uh, at la last I remember, Robert had grabbed my arm. Um, I will tug it and us in that direction. Mm -hmm. And just kind of move us uh, out of the street and away from the, you know, teeming masses of panicking people and curious sure. folk. Uh, I imagine no one's going to be at the park, so. Yeah, actually, the park that you're kind of sort of stepping into right now is a little isosceles triangle-sized or shaped park. Uh, it's probably no more than 20 or 30 yards wide and maybe 10 yards deep. Uh, right across the street from this park is the central police station, which is where many of these uh, police officers are beginning to muster and some run down the street. A couple of people get on bicycles uh, and try to hustle to what's going on. In the distance behind you, an enormous pillar of smoke is rising through the center of Nairobi. Are there any places to, to get shade on a bench, perhaps? Mm, there are two benches, um, and there is some, some shade. There are a couple of trees here. There are not many trees, but enough. Yeah, I'm just I'm going to sit at a bench and just kind of hold hold my head and uh, try to get my my senses about me. We need to do something about this. Something like what? Like we lay a trap. They're following us around and they're going to attack us every time we stop somewhere or, you know, come after us, then we need to get to the bottom of it and we need to eliminate who's ever doing it. And I have a pretty good idea of who's behind the whole thing. Now, I don't think it's the one that's actually doing this, but probably who's pulling their strings. Well, I, I think it's pretty clear that it's going to take something significant if we're going to dissuade these things from attacking us directly. We never see them until it's too late. Well, Sam saw them, right? Shortly before we were attacked, right. though. We know it's not easy to do this kind of stuff, so if we can lay some kind of trap, have them follow some of us while the rest of us, uh, or a couple of us, um, take them from behind. What do I always say, Jack? Whenever an enemy is following you, you know exactly where they're at. Right. I think we need help. Uh, listen, I am only one man, okay, and there are only so many hours in a day. I and that kind of help, but I, I mean, I mean, I think we need some kind of ally. We need we need some place or someone here who these people won't go after, at least not directly. We're not going to be able to uh, do that until we start talking to people, and when we talk to people, we put them in danger, as you pointed out. So, so I have a thought. I think that maybe this Kenyatta, who who's aware of them already and has not been hesitant to sound the alarm about them might be our best shot because if he's this political firebrand right the cult already knows his position and they need to rely on secrecy and fear to make this work for them i mean killing him or attacking him is just gonna what risk retaliation from the state or or military or, or even worse turn him into a martyr 
I, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he clearly is not afraid of them. Well, we were going to uh, talk to him anyhow, so maybe that's where we turn to first. Alternatively, it's really easy if they think they know where we're going to set them up to uh, ambush us and then ambush them back. Right. Anyhow, I think this uh, this woman with the tea shop, I think she's the one pull, uh, pulling strings here in uh, Nairobi. Is that the one you said you might want me to look into? Yeah. I mean, that would fit the theme, considering what you found at the last spice shop, I think it was. It's easy to move reagents and stuff around, I suppose, sure. Okay. So maybe we try to get a message to Kenyatta and uh, communicate our intentions. Maybe try to get him to set up a place and a time to meet where where he feels safe meeting us. I don't know if we necessarily want to go walking into state buildings. Well, state buildings are probably safer than a newspaper office, but still. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I just... I don't, I'm out of ideas otherwise. Do we really want to send a message that could be intercepted? Well, I'm saying one of us will... I'm, I'm relatively sure I could give him a message quietly and safely. Well, what would we say that would uh, convince him? Well, I say we'd be honest the same way that Jackson would have. We give him a note that says, you know, we're, we're here on behalf of, of Jackson Elias. We know about the cult. They're after us and we want to help stop them. I don't know what else we can do. What's he going to say? No. If he if he says no, we're no worse off. Right. If he says no, he weighs me away. But uh, I, I'll I'll open up my bag slightly and pull out the um, just the brim of the the police person's hat that I'm carrying. Yep. I'm pretty sure I can get in. Okay. And where is, uh, Mike, where is, uh, Kenyatta? Where is he? Yeah. I mean, do we have any information on that? In general, I believe you were told last episode that he has a, he has a, um, an office in Nairobi where it is exactly, you're not too sure. Okay. Well, I'm sure we can find that. You would know two things very key about Johnstone Kenyatta. And that is one, he is a public figure. Mm -hmm. uh, and two, he's a political figure too. So people are going to know where to find him. Right. Well, and he's, he represents the, the locals. He represents the tribes. He's, he's not English. I guess we'll start with that. Okay. So I will just ask a, a minor question, which is where is the group prepared to go to find out where he is? Where are you going to ask about? Or are you just going to tour the city until you potentially find him? Couldn't we go back to the hotel and ask them there? Certainly. Uh, we could probably stop a, well, we can't, there's probably no passing police officer. They're probably all rushing towards uh, the fire. So that there's already things going on in the city. So, yeah. yeah. I say we go back to the hotel and gather our thoughts and then ask where Kenyatta is. Because okay. They should be able to tell us at the front desk. Right. Let, let's not make this harder than it needs to be. Or do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of our MO. That's, right? That is our MO. 
Okay, yeah, we'll go back to the hotel. Okay. So uh, taking a somewhat cursory way around, I would imagine you're being a little... You're not going directly back through the, through no. the fire space? Of course, okay. I think we have a little bit of breathing room because they probably assume that we're dead. We're going to go through the burning Nairobi star. We're going to fly there. <laughs> luckily, luckily for you, the streets here, in a way, were laid out by someone that has a somewhat European mindset. So there are staggered streets. Um, you head back south and then eventually turn west towards the hotel. And within probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, you're standing back in the Hampton House Hotel. While, while we're walking, can I uh, keep an eye out for any anyone tailing us? Certainly. You can certainly do that. Um, you can all, anyone who wishes to, to do that as well can make a hard spot hidden roll. Yeah, sure. Why not? And remember, just report them in order if you would. Mm-hmm. That was bad. It was a 93 out of 85. Okay. So that's definitely a failure. Um, I had a 23 out of 88. Okay. I didn't get off spot hard. So, okay. 30 out of 65. All right, doctor. Uh, 15 under 80, extreme success. Mm-hmm. Very good. Sam? Uh, I got a 34 under 85. Those of you with hard successes don't actively see the group being tailed. This is over a period of 10 to 15 minutes with different people watching different angles and making sure that so far the coast appears relatively clear. Doctor, with your extreme success, um, you catch sight of the firefighting effort at the Nairobi Star as you sort of pass near it. And it does, luckily, it does appear that they have gotten the fire or getting the fire under control. It does not appear like bedlam. It looks like the people here have dealt with building fires before and they are working to get it under control. Excellent. Um, you get back to Hampton House Hotel. Anybody got a room I can change in while someone drafts that message? Yeah. You can use my room. Um, I'll go to the front desk. Okay. Uh, excuse me. I was wondering if you could help me find somebody. Mm, certainly. Um, Mr. Kenyatta. The man at the desk sort of furrows his brow a little bit. Kenyatta? Yeah, we uh, wanted to interview him. Oh. Uh, one moment, sir. He steps back and goes into the back office. And a couple moments later, Reggie Baines walks out. The, um, we'll just say, port-swilling owner of the hotel that you met recently. Is, is he looking much better? Um, better is sort of a questionable term. And uh, he extends a handshake towards you and says, uh, Mr. Doyle, how are you? I'm doing very good. How are you? The staff here said you were interested in meeting and interviewing someone? Yes, uh, Mr. Kenyatta. Did you, do you have a moment? Yeah, certainly. He steps aside and sort of walks into the, the bar area, which right now is fairly quiet. Are you sure about that? Well, he is a uh, um, an influential man, influential man here in town, right? One could say that certainly. Well, certainly. Um, uh, he's a bit of a revolutionary. 
Well, you know. Um, some people have said he might be also a bit of a charlatan. Well, you know, sometimes they go hand in hand. <laughs> Am I right? Certainly. Um, I wouldn't say what, what others might say about him, because I, I don't have any evidence to back it up. But things are known to be strange around his family. Oh. They have some um, deeper ties to, um, well, uh, the history of, of Kenya. That's the best way, to most reasonable way to put it. I get you. I understand. Well, he, it'd be definitely a salacious article for uh, the readers back home. Oh, certainly, certainly. If you are looking to uh, tantalize your readership, then uh, I'm certain Mr. Kenyatta can, can do that. Uh, he keeps a space um, not, not too terribly far uh, from here uh, in Swahili Town. It's a district. It's, he, he sort of steps back over towards the uh, the front door with you and he points out one of the windows. If you head down that street there and, and you continue past the industrial area, you'll uh, you'll definitely see that space. Yeah. Very good. Um, why I have you, is there some kind of um, gentleman's club where Europeans get together? Oh, certainly. Certainly. Um, there's a local club here if you're... Um, I don't know if you're a, a member of any of the um, English societies, but if you or any of your party are, you might be uh, able to gain access to them. Oh, there's just a couple of other people I wanted to interview, and I figured that would be the best place to start looking for them. Well, there is <clears throat> there is a space, a, a, a meeting house uh, near the New Stanley Hotel, where um, uh, several of the dignitaries... Uh, the British dignitaries do occasionally meet and um, uh, conversate. Very good. If you're looking for um, entry, you might want to speak with Roger Croydon, the uh, colonial undersecretary. He uh, he runs the establishment. Oh, okay. Very good. Uh, thank you very much. Of course. And enjoy your stay. Well, I'm certain we will. Sam, you change in Jack's room. I put on my new boots and my uh, my new outfit. I make sure that everything is tip-top uh, and in its proper position before I come deliberately, you know, not stomping down the stairs, but mm -hmm. uh, booting down the stairs. <laughs> Jack booting down the stairs. Pretty much, uh, yeah. Booting. I, okay. I boot over to Jack, yes. What's Your, your disguise is what, 80-something? 80 80, 89. All right, I won't make you roll for it. Okay. Uh, it's unnecessary. Um, I so, will approach. I will approach Jack from behind where he's standing, and I will say, <clears throat> "Excuse me, sir. I've been sent here to secure a message to be delivered to a specific location." And I kind of tap my heels. Oh yeah. Just give me a second here. Um, I take some, you know, correspondence paper and a pen and mm -hmm. write down a message. Basically, what we described. Mm -hmm. Sign, you know. Sign it, especially if it's got the uh, um, hotel letterhead on it. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. It's actually weird writing a message out with the letterhead from Hampton House here because you remember reading the letter <laughs> that Jackson Elias wrote from this hotel. Fold it and hand it over. 
Um, I, I accept it formally and just kind of nod and uh, the location, sir. No. I give him the uh, directions. It's in Swahili town, which is interesting because that name, when you hear it, Doctor, the mission is in that same district. Hmm. Interesting. Mention that briefly to Jack. Hmm. I suppose that makes sense. I do not bite by coincidence, Jack. (laughs) It's sloppy. I'll uh, do my best to return with a response. Thank you, sir. Very good. I trot my happy ass out of the hotel. Okay. You head towards Swahili Town. So, with Sam going to Swahili Town, I guess for the rest of you, how are you spending the next, we'll just say, hour or so? Anybody want to go with me to talk to Roger Corden? Sure. Right. (laughs) Would we like to further split the party? I will be merciful and will not further split the party. (laughs) I will go with Jack and (laughs) I will go with party B. Actually, we could do a two for one if you really wanted to. Hmm. If the doctor needs to go somewhere. Oh, go to the mission? Yeah. It is in the area. Well, it's not a terrible idea. We'll see. If since it's in the area, perhaps we'll stop on the way, yeah? Or on the way back. Yeah. What are you ladies doing? Well, I don't know if it's a good idea to have so many people meet with the one with Roger or whatever. So we don't seem threatening, I guess. So just to be clear, um, Roger Corden is a colonial undersecretary. Sure, but I mean, it's suspicious. Y'all are suspicious no matter how many people show up. That's true. Okay, less suspicious. So three of you maybe, or two of you going to see the undersecretary? Um, At least two of us. I think the doctor wants to go too. Okay. Reggie told you that uh, Roger, the undersecretary, is at the government house. So that's where you would be headed. So if it's just the two of you, or is it Maeve too, or what y'all doing? Just thought the doctor was going with they were going to stop at the mission on the way okay or on the way back so right and that's what i'm trying to get it the idea is is like the government house is very close within the next within a couple of blocks of here and swahili town is like oh so yeah so it it, it's not in the area it's it is not it's way far doctor i'll go with you to the mission well well i will be for the company offers his uh, elbow to Miss Lane and looks at uh, Maeve. You do be careful. Hmm? Yeah, I I don't even know what I'm doing yet, but um, I guess I'll just keep my head down so that people don't look at me weird. Well, you could come with us if you like. People will look at me <laughs> weird. Okay, so we'll do it like this then. Um, I want to just... Let me know maybe where you want to go, who you want to go with, or if you just want to stay at the hotel. Okay, so Lillian and the doctor are going to the mission. Correct. Jack and Drummond are going to the government. Roger house. Corden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sam went to Kenyatta. Correct. Yeah, I'll stay at the hotel and 
watch for suspicious activities because I don't trust what's his name that owns the place. I don't think you trust anybody. Well, that's true. Okay. But this guy in particular. Sure. Alrighty. Well, then I I think that play will begin with um, play will begin begin with the doctor and and Lillian as they head to see his friend at the mission. As we're walking, that doctor. Um, so why are we going to the mission? Well, my dear, it um, it seems that there's a physician here, and I'm considering, you know, local. I would like to talk to him and see if he can offer a bit of aid. And if not, uh, doctors talk to everyone and they get plenty of information themselves, you know. And he may be key to permanent information. I mean, since he was he was the autopsy official uh, for the Carlisle expedition, what was recovered. Uh, so he could be a veritable wellspring of medical knowledge, yeah? Yeah, well, I'm always happy to play your nurse. Doctor. And I am grateful for it, Miss Lane. You have a, quite a good nurse. I, I think you and you and Lily should sit down. I think perhaps when we get back to stateside and just have a chat. <laughs> Both of you can laugh over a coffee about how, what a grumpy old cuss I am, yeah? Oh, I think that's a wonderful idea. So finding the mission itself is not difficult at all. There are actually signs that lead you there. Uh, a couple in English. Uh, Dr. Starrett is uh, a, an older man, probably in his 50s or 60s. He's balding. He wears wire rim circular glasses. And when you happen upon him, when you get directed by staff at the mission towards him, you see that he's assisting someone. Um, he's bandaging someone's leg. Looks like from a fairly routine scrape. Um, is it a, is the mission door like, is it open or yeah, is there somebody it's, that's it's pretty, seeing us? Okay, so we're pretty It's much. pretty open in here. There's not a ton of walls in this space to, to keep hmm. airflow. I say with the general heat conditions, most likely not. Yeah. Right. Um, he, uh, Doc knocks lightly on the door frame as he enters. Yes, yes, come in. <laughs> is it a, uh, what time of day is it? Evening? No, no, no. It's um, probably early afternoon at this point. Okay. Good and dog. Takes his hat off and uh, extends a hand to the doctor, or the physician there. Yeah, he... Uh, Seeing that he's working on a patient, he take, withdraws his hand <laughs> naturally and uh, continue with what you're doing, of course. I'm sorry. He uh, finishes preparing the bandage and then this um, younger boy who he's working on seems to brighten a little bit and uh, Dr. Starrett says uh, now I need you to be more careful as you go through the market slow down around the corners and you see the youth sort of just pleasantly nod and look at his leg and then sort of get down from the table and, and test it a little bit and then he hustles off uh, before he leaves, Doc kind of smiles at him and taps his own hip in the cane. He says, oh, yes, he, he speaks truth. You do not want to end up like me, yeah? Hmm? So, uh, who might you be? Guten Tag, as I said. Um, my name is Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. I believe you, um, I believe you, I, I provide you some information that I'm looking for. And I was wondering if perhaps I could uh, take a moment to pick your brain from one physician to another, yeah? 
Oh, certainly. Um, he, Dr. Starrett turns and looks at you and uh, Lillian and says, uh, uh, my name is Dr. Starrett and, and you are? I'm Lillian Lane. Oh, pleasure to meet you. Likewise. Well, uh, I, I am happy to be of service as uh, best I can be. What, uh, what information are you looking for, Doctor? It is going to sound kind of odd, but uh, the, we were tracking down as much information as we could find about the, um, the Carlisle expedition. Mm. And I am to understand that you had tons of information in that arena. Um, almost intimate, one might say. Yes. Uh, you must be a friend of Sam's. Ah, yes, I am a friend of Sam's. I, <laughs> it, Doc kind of taps his forehead a little lightly. The, the heat here, it, it, can, it makes me forget sometimes. Yes, Sam is a very close friend and patient of mine, actually. Oh. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell him um, he, he should be more careful with his friends in this heat. Hmm? Oh, no doubt. Most of what I could tell you, I already told your friend, but I'm happy to go over uh, any of the details of one physician to another. Oh, absolutely. That would be um, wonderful. And he looks around at the um, at his, you know, operating area, his uh, not literally operating area, but where he's working currently. Mm -hmm. Doc puts his bag down, rolls his sleeves up. He says, well, but first I'm seeing um, some patients here that are needing help. And um, it is not becoming for us to be standing around talking with some people in need, need of aid, yeah? Certainly. So but perhaps I'll give you a hand here um, first, and when the work is done, then we talk about more and less important things, yeah? Of course. So uh, I, won't, I won't make either of you roll for it, but I'll just ask uh, Lillian, Sigmund, you're, you're both going to assist with whatever patient load he has. Yep. Yes, I'm assuming there's probably a greater patient load because the uh, building exploding in town. Yeah, they, they are beginning to get um, burn victims in. Some of them have gone to the hospital, but uh, some will come to the mission because, well, um, because of who they are. Yep, I, I take it upon myself to find wherever their storage closet is to find salve and, and bandages and, yep. and start helping work on any... Uh, any uh, patients? Certainly. So you, you spend a good half an hour to hour or so bandaging and assisting burn victims. And you pick up a couple of things in passing conversation that Dr. Starrett mentions. Actually, many of the medical supplies that the mission is still using is because of the generous donation that uh, one of the Carlisle Expedition gave the mission while they were here. And that was Hypatia Masters. Um, she made a rather large donation and they have been flush with supplies ever since, which is exceedingly helpful. Um, after probably the first hour or so, the tide of, uh, we'll just say victims, um, patients, probably patients, probably better word. The tide of patients, uh, seemed to, to stem quite a bit. You see probably a good 10 to 15 people in that hour. So for, for both of you, well, maybe not for 
use so much sigmund for you lillian this is a pretty rapid pace environment um but afterwards uh starrett after the, the patients are dealt with starrett sits down with you and shares a couple of of important things that you probably need to know at least initially uh, they came to him initially the the carl expedition came to see him because in town he was the only one who was able to get specific types of painkillers so doctor he tells you that they came to him for opium mm. uh, did he say a vice with opium what is it a great pain or injury perhaps it was for miss masters ah uh-huh. mm. well do go on doctor but they also took some petroleum jelly and some of the other um needful medical supplies i I can't confirm it because obviously Miss Masters is no longer with us, but I do believe she may have been suffering with something for a period of time. Do you mean uh, some sort of ailment that she perhaps had? Um, yes. The application of the opium that they were looking for and the petroleum jelly was to create a salve based in opium to apply to her pelvic regions. Mm, interesting. Could she have been sick with a, with a parasite? Oh, certainly, Miss um, Lane. There are a number of parasites that could have been, um, that could befall someone here. I actually do quite a bit of, um, well, I, I give talks and, and, and lectures on a lot of the um, diseases of Africa and some of the more poisonous problems that someone might run into when they were out in the, in the wilds of Africa here. But I can tell you that she had no, um, she had no visible bite marks. She did not appear to have, um, any telltale signs of internal poisoning. Um, I understand that the likelihood of this is very low, but, um, did you perhaps have any photographic availability during this autopsy? Uh, no. And hmm. um, also, Miss Masters would not allow herself to be medically examined while she was here. Hmm. And when I insisted before giving her and her team opium, which I would not, of course, release to anyone under just any circumstances, she became insistent. Insistent that she would not be examined. I suspect that her condition, if you did not get to examine it, I actually suspect that you are one of the lucky. I have seen things in my time, yeah, that um, not, <laughs> that would not wish others to see if I could spare them. Mm. And this is coming from one doctor to another, you understand? I do. Well, other than those items, quite frankly, I was shocked and upset when I heard that the, that they had been massacred. And so I took it upon myself to make sure that I was the one who was available for the examination. You are a good man, and I appreciate the information that you have given me. It would be most helpful. I will tell you this, Doctor. Those, those bodies were not them. They, they were not Europeans. 
The bodies that you found were not the members of the Carlisle expedition that were reported to be dead. Not a single shred of evidence of them being Caucasian in any way. Hmm. Curious and curious, eh? I believe it has been since the beginning a cover-up. The local authorities were very clear that my report had to be suitably vague for their beliefs. Hmm. They did not want to, what is to say, the stirring the soup? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Upsetting the apple cart? Well, it's simple science. Simple science. The bodies have been on the ground for months. There would be nothing left of them. I I agree in this environment. There would be, I mean, just the local um, flora and fauna would have caused amazing amount of desiccation in that time. You know, they have a saying here. Meat does not last long because everything is looking to eat. Even the dogs. Doctor. Yes, Miss Lane. Do you, you know, you've been here a while. You were here when the Carlisle expedition was here. Do you have any theories as to my, what a, what might have happened to them and who wanted to cover it up besides like anybody specific in the local authorities? Ooh, I don't know. Um, I've thought about it many times. I would think that the local authorities would not want the bad press. But I will tell you this, I I think something, as I told your friend Sam, I think something supernatural happened to them. I think a great evil fell whoever was killed. Do you think this, um, this force, this supernatural force was um, directed? By anyone or anything, perhaps? Not that I know of. Mm. But, mm. Uh, but it perhaps, definitely was not what you would call in the realm of natural, yeah. No, but perhaps the devil himself, yeah? Well, perhaps, but, and, and you know, as a doctor of science, I can, you, you understand the weight I will put. I can only say that I believe in various devils now. I think that's fair. There's nothing that says there's only one. Well, um, is there, is there anything else I can do for the two of you? You've both been very helpful. What, what, all I have heard as far as the star, that, that the building burst into flames. What, what happened? Do you know? No, we were nowhere near there. Hang on a second, James. Do you say that? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I could probably say it more convincingly. No, 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 but... I mean, you said it. Um, so I'm going to roll psychology against you, Miss Lane. Shit. Can I roll something against that? Um, yeah, you can roll Persuade. Got it. I got a 60 out of 81. Okay. He looks at you real funny. And like adjusts his wire rim glasses. I don't know that I believe that. Which is strange because you've been very believable the entire rest of the time. Why would you choose now to lie? We have come from a long line of people that ask us for the truth. And then unfortunately quite often use it as a scalpel to remove valuable things from us. So we have become guarded, if you will. Mm. I do apologize. He kind of looks sideways with a a half a smirk at Miss Lane. So? (sighs) We do know quite a bit about what happened. We have people that that are after us. After you? Because they don't like us digging into all of this, the Carlisle expedition and everything else that has gone on. 
So we want to. So I was trying to protect you by, you know. So if somebody came around and asked if you saw us or if we, if you heard anything, that you, you know, plausible deniability. Hmm. Plausible deniability. It's a new saying. How very quaint. You see, here in the streets of Nairobi, we simply would call that lying. <laughs> I, I apologize. I, I did not mean to offend you. Doc smiles and kind of puts half a thumb at Miss Lane. She is an American. <laughs> uh, no, there's... There, I, I am both a doctor, and he sort of ad- adjusts his um, uniform. And you realize that, like, now getting a look at his uniform... He's an Anglican rector, like he's a priest. I, I don't appreciate half-truths, but I do appreciate difficult situations. Perhaps you, much like the people you are researching, are more than you seem. Um, I, I appreciate both of your assistances, and I'm certain the people of Nairobi do too. Hopefully, your further travels in Kenya are a little more pleasant. We hope so, too. Uh, We greatly appreciate your time, Doctor. Thank you so much. Of course, absolutely. Shakes hands with him. Yeah. I'm going to move camera to Sam, who is in the same area, but not exactly the same area, because he is in Swahili town looking for someone very specific. I am, with, with purpose. Yes. So you find um, the building, anyway, that Johnstone Kenyatta is uh, purportedly using as a a headquarters for the Kikuhu Central Association, or KCA. It's a storefront. Okay. So it's basically... Kikuhu, that's the tribe, right? That's the tribe, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, So it essentially, as as you sort of are in the area or doing any sort of, you know, half pauses or, or, or uh, recon on the on the space as you probably would normally do. Uh, the the basics of it are the storefront sells it sells it sells goods and services to help its political cause. Okay, I will uh, take off my hat as I walk in. Just kind of keep it tucked. And uh, I will approach whomever it is that seems to be administrating the area. No, there's a there's a gentleman, um, a likely a member of the tribe who sits behind a desk here in the front room. There's a bunch of I would the the best way to say it is propaganda posters that are up in their space. They have their own message, and the gentleman behind the desk wears a suit. And I, I, st- I approach <clears throat> stiffly, and um, mm-hmm. I say, uh, good afternoon. He stands up. Um, good afternoon. I have an urgent message for Mr. Kenyatta. I've been asked to see to its delivery personally. I'll give him like a stiff nod. He looks at you a little funny for a second and then nods. Is there a problem? Do I think that this is Mr. Kenyatta? Mm, you don't know. You haven't seen a picture of Johnstone Kenyatta yet, so it could be him. You're not sure. I'm afraid that I can only uh, discuss any further details with Mr. Kenyatta personally. You get a big, wide smile. Well, let me go and get him. It sounds like a very serious matter. 
he steps, this gentleman walks into the office and the, what looks like a, a secondary office and then closes the door and you hear voices behind the door for just a few moments. And then uh, a few moments later, the same man walks back out and he has his tie a little straighter and uh, he smiles at you and says, I'm Johnstone Kenyatta. Who are you and why are you parading as a police officer? I, I don't skip a beat, really. I'm sure. Or sweat. I say, Mr. Kenyatta, good afternoon. Um, I do apologize for the interruption as it's been quite a busy morning in Nairobi, as you may well know. But for the uh, mutual safety of yourself and interested parties, I've been asked to deliver this message and I will produce it. On behalf of one Mr. J. Elias, and I've been asked to return as soon as possible with a response, be it verbal or written. And I'll just kind of hold it out in two fingers. He steps back just a half step and then gestures to, kind of sort of opens his stance and broadly gestures to the door. Anything that deals with something Mr. Elias may or may not have requested, we need to talk about in private. I don't know that I'm in a position to discuss anything openly right now, but if you would kindly just take this message, um, I would greatly appreciate it. Well, where's the hospitality in that, though? We should have some coffee, perhaps tea. Oh, look, is it just us in here? Yeah, it looks like it. I will uh, nod again and follow him wherever he's directing me. He walks you into a very simple office, which has a desk, a calendar, some paperwork, um, that sort of thing. He steps behind the desk and sits down. You hear his chair give a good creak. And then he sort of sits forward. He gestures to a, a chair. I will allow my shoulders to soften when he shuts the door. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll just crumple up the paper in my hand um, and slither into the chair. Now, uh, your uh, message from Mr. Elias is interesting given the fact that he's been dead for several years. Yes, sir. I'm well aware. I represent a team of investigators that are following up on his work. And we've arrived in Kenya in an effort to put a stop to the antics of the cult of the bloody tongue. We'd like to meet with you to discuss matters further if you would be so kind to provide us with a time and a place that you feel comfortable doing so. I will gladly relay that message to my team. But if you know why I'm here and you know who they are, and you know that he's dead, then you know that safety is of the utmost importance to me and my own. A very serious man. It's been a very long morning. Yes, and just now buildings are burning. I am happy to meet with you and your associates at any given time. Um, although I would rather meet with you here or uh, in Swahili town at the very least. Perhaps not here. There aren't enough chairs in this uh, small office space. But uh, I have a good friend that runs a restaurant not too far from here. There are um, There is a private room there that we could use. And have quite the meal. I, I, I appreciate your hospitality. My, my name is Sam. Uh, I apologize for the ruse. Uh, again, I hope you understand. I think so. I think I understand that you're a very serious person here on very serious business. And you should know that I take anything that has to do with the cult of the bloody tongue just as seriously. 
They are not to be trifled with. I'm assuming that you're familiar with the uh, the train incident, then. Mm, I am under- I'm. I understand that something terrible happened on that train. I can only imagine what. Um, we are doing our best to help our people, and our people are going to now work, continue their work to, well, disrupt. Well, what, what I can tell you is that they are directly responsible. Directly? They left their mark. Hmm. I, I'm again, I'm hesitant to discuss more without my friends present, but I, any information that you want to provide regarding this place that you would like to meet in a time, um, I will relate to them post haste. There is no time like the present, especially when we're dealing with matters associated with this cult. I'm free tonight for dinner, 5 p.m. There is a restaurant two blocks south of here. It's a festive color, green. Red, you won't be able to miss it. There are a lot of nationalists there. And so I would just mind any of your party that is too colonial. I'll make them aware. And for what it's worth, from what it sounds like, and I haven't had a chance to hear much, but you're doing great work here. These people need a voice. Yes. My people do need a voice. My father and my grandfather taught me that my voice cannot be silent. Now, I have matters to attend to, Sam. I will see you in your group in a few hours. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. I will take a deep breath and put my mask back on, as it were. Hmm. It's hard not to get drawn into Kenyatta because... He's one of those people, I guess, sort of a lot like Miss Lane is, that her presence, when put into effect, can sort of fill an entire space. And so he he has a really smooth and capable delivery. He's You can tell just by having conversation, he's a natural orator. He has all of the benefits of that. And he might not even have like a full grasp of, of his own... Um, personal power yet um, but he's ex- he's it's intense the entire experience is intense I think the the tipping point for Sam is the fact that he represents a lot of what it's like a direction that Sam could have gone maybe at some point had his life not taken a turn or nine <laughs> um, but you know we, we have our roles to play um, yeah I, I stiffen up and give him a, a kind of sturdy nod and by the time I walk out Sam is not there so you you sturdy up and you give him a nod and he he gives you like the policeman salute but like sort of half you can tell he's poking fun at you but he's at least enjoying himself Good. but you skedaddle you you make your way back into the streets as a policeman yes so I know that wait do I know that the doctor was going to the mission then you probably left before that was assumed Okay. Then I will simply head back to the hotel. Okay. And before I go back inside, I'll I'll change back out into my casual local garb. Okay, fair enough. You change garb, so we will move camera to 
The government house. So the government house for you and Mr. Drummond is not terribly far anyway from the hotel, um, but it is definitely in a different quarter of the, the space here. You have to take, you have to basically go on a pathway and a road that leads you past um, a cathedral and past the, you know, some of the more uh, colonial underpinnings of what, what Nairobi has. And you get pushed all the way back basically onto like a nice rolling green lot. Like where, where the rest of the city has very sparse greenery, a couple of parks here and there. This is like a rolling park where at the end of it, there is a big government house. Okay. Well, you know, we'll go in the front doors. Yeah, a large colonial-style building, the big Union Jack, and uh, getting into the 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 house is not hard at all. The government they let you in, they take down your name, they ask who you're look who you who you're here to see. Oh, uh, Mister Corden. Hmm. Okay, and on what business? Uh, we would like uh, introductions to some individuals. Give your passport there yes they take the name and the passport and they actually physically look at your picture and that sort of thing they do the whole nine yards and then you get let in to see roger corden who is as stiff as a board i figured (laughs) just utterly stiff as a board Uh, so he's a not after the first drink. <laughs> well, you haven't gotten there yet, though. Uh, you have not gotten there yet. You meet a man in full military uniform. Uh, he has a close cropped hair, really big mustache, larger than Tom Selleck's. He has the entire fitted belt and like the, the cross belt bandolier that goes diagonally. Uh, under that, there's the really like bleached white shirt tie there's on on his on his jacket here all of its khaki it screams colonialist um but he greets you with a warm smile oh greetings uh jack doyle mr doyle it's my uh, companion uh robert drummond nice to meet you mr drummond pleasure welcome to nairobi and uh thank you uh, his majesty's kenya Thank you very much. We're doing some uh, research into some events that happened here a few years ago. And there's a couple people we wanted to talk to. And I was pointed in your direction as the third person who uh, could help us out. Hmm. He walks you into his office, which has a nice, beautiful view of this green space. There's a, a local woman all in white in here tidying things up. And he sort of you know, asks, go on, the the office is fine for now. Thank you. Sort of shoes her out the door and gestures to a couple of seats at the table nearby. And can I get you something to drink? Oh, uh, whiskey? Certainly. Uh, nothing for me, thanks. He pours you probably two or three fingers of whiskey, Jack, and then pours himself a drink. And I, I immediately like him sits down at the table nearby. So, um, 
some events, some people here from previous yes, years? Yes. Um, I don't know how long you've been in Nairobi. Were you here during the events of the uh, Carlisle expedition? Unfortunately, yes. Mm. Well, we've uh, we've been sent to uh, follow up. You know, it's been a few years. People like to find out what's ha- what may have happened or, you know, follow up on uh, events. And there's a couple of people that we know that we might want to talk to. Oh, well, certainly. I mean, that's definitely uh, understandable, given the fact of all of the events in question. Mm-hmm. So the, was it a Colonel Endicott? Oh, yes, certainly. I'm familiar with uh, Endicott and his um, um, play park. He sort of chuckles. Uh, he's a he's a fine man. He just um, he's taken to um, setting up post-war, setting up his own hunting lodge where they can go, and he likes to take uh, uh, rich travelers there and see the sights. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know how one would get a hold of him? Oh, certainly. Yes, um, I can put you in contact with him. That'd be fantastic. And then a, a Waldicott. Waldicott. He uh, served with the African Rifles. Um, I might be able to get you in touch with them. He sort of looks around a little bit. What sort of information are you looking for? Well, we just happen to know that he that these individuals were involved in the uh, recovery, the search and recovery. Mm. And we just wanted to have a, sh- a short interview with them. Well, I mean, there's really not much to tell, but... Well, you know, it, it it doesn't really matter if they have a lot to tell. Just having some quotes from some people who are involved is enough. Readers like direct quotes. Yeah. Were you, were you involved in the uh, incident at all? Well, the fair has been long closed. Well, yeah, shrugs. I'm sure. I mean, obviously, they they caught the people and they executed them. Yes, some, some nandies were hanged uh, Doubtless many more rotters escaped and deserved, who actually deserved punishment. Um, it's not as if I wasn't asked about all this before. Mm-hmm. Just in, maybe you had some insight into it, being especially uh, in your lofty position. Well, I was afraid to disappoint him, um, the person who asked before this, just like I would be afraid to disappoint you, but the last person who asked me about it, I didn't really have much to tell. You know, it's seemed as if it was almost some sort of ghastly ceremony. I don't know what they were doing out there, but it's not as if people here in town didn't advise them to be, be more cautious, to take locals. They refused every, almost every bit of assistance they could out other than... Oh, they yeah. did take them. Well, supposedly there were some people from Mombasa that came up to show them around. But... I don't remember seeing them as they were leaving. They made a big hubbub over everything that they did. Which is what people like Carlisle do. Yes. Or did. You mentioned uh, somebody else had uh, been asking. Do you happen to remember his name? Yes. Yes. Uh, another uh, investigative uh, person, um, Elias. Jackson Elias. Yes, I'm familiar with Mr. Elias. Tragically yeah. passed away just a few months ago. Oh, it's too bad. I uh, I quite liked him. 
sharp and uh, knew how to hold a, a conversation and um, was interested in asking many, many questions. He was a, a brilliant investigator and a good mm. friend. Oh, well, then I'm, I'm doubly sorry to hear that uh, you've lost a friend. Jack, why don't you make me a psychology roll? And Drummond, you as well, if you've got. Look, I can roll a, a, a 40, maybe. <laughs> 39 out of 40. <laughs> uh, that's a 38 out of 65. Uh, okay. So both of you would get the distinct impression that that Croydon's not being completely truthful with you. Do I have an idea of what part he wasn't completely truthful about? He seemed to ho-hum a lot about how they died. There's a little bit of, um, we'll just say a verbal soft shoe that's going on when he talks about how they died or um, the way, the accepted story, that sort of thing. I'm quite surprised you were able to identify the bodies at all, frankly. Well, uh, personally, uh, Mr. Drum and I didn't. Uh, Dr. Starrett did, who works at the mission. He's the one that wrote the report. I merely uh, act as the intermediary. Hmm. Uh, there's just one little bit of information I, uh, I had that was somewhat confusing. I had been led to believe that uh, the bodies recovered. There were no Caucasians in there. I don't know who would tell you that. I mean, clearly, the, the Nandi tribesmen confessed. And the bodies were, those bodies were recovered. They went through autopsies and the report was sent up. Is, is he lying to me? I'll give you a hard psychology roll. Uh, no, 40. Spend some luck. No, 65. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? See, I'm helping. You're helping. You're helping Jack's <laughs> overall luck rolls. Okay, so, so you're spend eight. Spend eight and to make that a hard success? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's He is absolutely lying. You don't know why he's covering it up or lying about it. You, you probably have your own theories, but he is 100% not telling you the truth. Interesting. Where are they buried? I assume they weren't shipped back all the way back to England in such condition. The remains were buried and up at a graveyard here. That'd be a good picture to get for the article. I hoist my camera slightly. <laughs> Absolutely. He finishes his drink. If there's anything else I can assist you both with, uh, no, uh, we, we're staying at the, what is it, the Hampton House? Yep. Yeah. We're staying at the Hampton House if uh, you've managed to uh, locate Endicott. Yeah, I think that will do it. Wonderful. I'll walk you out. No, thank you very much. He takes a moment and then steps you out the government house and then back out onto the steps where the um, local guards... You know, the, the British ones, the ones with rifles, wait, and then see you leave. It's been a pleasure. Heading back to the hotel? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was lying through his teeth. I will stop and turn around with a big smile and take a picture of the government house. Okay. Just, just you know. Whoosh. Yep. And I think on that um, curious note, 
our episode will come to a close. So uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Masks of Now Off the Tip. Uh, as our tenure chapter continues, uh, we wish you a good night. And as always, good luck. <laughs>